Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce our guest, Josiah Johnson, who is, if you don't know him, the face of Twitter at this point. I'm surprised they didn't name you the new CEO of the platform because that's the way the NBA and sports community feels about you. Featured in the New York Times, featured on LeBron James, which is probably uh, more significant than the New York Times in 2021. How are you, my friend? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing good, man. I'm a little disappointed too. I didn't get that CEO now, but it's all good. I, I feel like they'll come around at some point. <laughs> they should. They should. I, I think it would make a lot of sense for any platform to just give people who are A, making the content, but B, uh, you know, making people laugh uh, positions of power at, you know, Fortune 500 companies. I feel like the world would be a better place if everybody who was in power at Fortune 500 companies just tweeted memes <laughs> i mean i think you know especially somewhere like twitter where people like myself who really use the app and understand the world and culture i think it'd be super beneficial it's actually some stuff i've, I've suggested to them in the past but definitely giving creators and people who are actually on the platform all day because it feels like a lot of people that work at the company just start twitter accounts you know right when they start working there and don't really use the platform the way that we do but you know the game is the game no for sure i think uh i think elon musk has definitely laid the foundation of ceos having fun though uh, yeah, for sure. That, that trickles down. But I wanted to ask you, my first question is a very technical question, because you, when I see you tweet, um, everybody thinks the same thing. It's how the hell did this guy have that video already ready for that moment? So do you have like a Dropbox of 40,000 images and videos like meticulously tagged that you can immediately pull up for said moment? I mean, my problem is that I'm so unorganized in my normal life that that's not the case. I just have like a photographic memory. So I'm able to, you know, when I want some recall and usually pretty easy to, to know where to find it. And that's the one thing everybody always asks me, like, how do you get these quick clips so quickly? It's like, I know where to look. And, uh, you know, I understand social at a, at a very high level, understand where, where things are at, how to move and shake things. I also, at times, I'll, I'll essentially like DM myself. I don't really bookmark or any of that other stuff. But if I see something I like, I'll DM myself. And then at that moment when I see it, I'll have three to four to five different you know, potential caption op options or moments or, or, you know, whatever, whatever is the energy of that particular clip and when I think it'll come out. But for me, I don't really go in with any game plan. It's like, I got a lot of friends that work at companies, you know, <laughs> big time, big time companies that kind of have to, they have a set amount of quota they need to put up every day. I don't really put any of those restrictions on myself. When there's a day that news is buzzing and things are going, then I'm gonna definitely hit it. Slow days, I don't feel any obligation to just throw stuff against the wall to see what sticks. So I think, you know, after building my account and kind of just learning how social works and learning the Twitter algorithm, especially never trying to, you know, force stuff, you know, when, when things happen and I have a good take or a good opinion or a good meme for it, definitely will drop it like it's hot. And if I don't have one, I'll just leave it in the draft. So I don't ever feel, you know, forced to have to do anything. I love it. Are you a, are you a tweet drafter or do you just usually just send it when you feel it? I hate, I hate, honestly, I hate like scheduling. I hate doing all that stuff because stuff changes so quickly in the moment that I'm constantly updating captions, making sure I have it the right way, make sure it reads the right way and putting myself in the mind of the consumer and the viewer who's going to see it and how are they going to interpret this thing. So I generally don't have a lot of stuff. Now on occasion, if I'm like, oh, this will be a great tweet and I know an event's going to happen that, you know, it's for sure going to happen. Like for example, uh, Caruso was going back to play the Lakers. So I had a meme ready to go for that. And at that point, it was just figuring out what's the appropriate time to drop it. Caruso's name started trending. Uh, so I saw that and right around that point dropped it and it ended up performing very well. But 
for stuff like that, you know, going in, I'll never be like, oh, it's 6 p.m. I got to do this, that, or whatever. It's always just kind of having a feel of what's going on on social. Because as you know, social can change in a heartbeat, you know, for one moment, everybody, you know, like yesterday, for example, in the college football landscape, everybody was talking about Lincoln Riley going to SC next thing you know, Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. And it's a free for all. Everybody's just trying to get their jokes out, get their tweets off. But until generally I wait till news becomes official and I always just have a respect for obviously the news breakers in the game. But once news becomes official, or if I hear information, you know, before they do, and I can drop and I feel comfortable dropping a, a meme or anything, I'm gonna let it loose. I love that, man. Very, very thought out as it has to be if you're going to do it consistently and succeed at it. The thing that I've always noticed is like uh, for one of the brands I started, Hoops Nation, it's always the breaking news stuff that obviously like that second, it's great. But five minutes after, since everybody's posting the same thing, it tails off very quickly. And it's often the stuff that, you know, was evergreen to begin with that does the best. Is that something that you see as well with sort of your style? But but your style is different because nobody is replicating it. Whereas like with Hoops Nation, if it's a trade, obviously yeah. everybody's going to be posting the same thing. Well, the thing I've learned, you know, you know, social is, is just that it's social. So when things happen, sometimes when news breaks, you need to give it a little time to let it marinate so everybody can know what the news is. So I find a lot of people will hit me now like, yo, I found out the news, you know, from your page because I didn't hadn't even seen it yet. So I've, I've kind of now just taking a step back and let it kind of marinate a little bit, let people start talking about it. Then if I come in with a different take or whatever, to your point, like when a trade's announced, everybody's got to put that clip up or if like, you know, LeBron dunks on somebody or whatever the highlight is, Steph, you know, tees up the ref after a shot. Everybody's seen that in that very moment. Now they're going to the interweb to try and find that particular clip. So what I do that's different is I'll take a moment like that, figure out what a meme for that is. So now even if you've seen the Steph, you know, teeing up the ref clip a hundred times, I'm going to add some unique and different to the fold that people are going to want to engage with and people are going to want to, you know, retweet because it's different than what they've seen, but also basically supplementing and adding another layer to whatever that particular you know piece of news or topic is. A hundred percent. Now, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously I'm sure you've had an insane amount of people that, you know, either you've looked up to or whomever share your stuff, but what was your re- immediate reaction to when you first saw LeBron start to engage with it? Because you're now his favorite social media profile. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, the immediate reaction was the price of the brick is going up. I think that was first and foremost. <laughs> the secondary reaction was like, damn, I know LeBron's got a ton of people who hate him, so I'm going to get a lot of that as, as backlash. You know, I think really? a lot of these social spaces, which is which Second is sad. Secondhand hate? Is that really a thing? I mean, look at any time LeBron tweets and then look at look at his mentions. You know, LeBron can say he's opening up a school and his mentions will be calling him a fraud and, you know, saying a lot of stuff that, you know, people would never say if they had saw him on the street. So I just know that, the, you know, so... Social is like a toxic place for, for a lot of people. They don't want to see people be successful. So any, anytime somebody's successful, they use that as a, an opportunity to try and tear other people down. And it's sad because I used to be in a similar space years and years ago, but eventually I kind of matured and realized like that's not a way to go. I want to try to be as supportive as possible. And I just know how hard, you know, people like yourself and all, all those creators and people that are out there, how hard we work to, to, to perfect our craft and, you know, really put content out. And, you know, all it takes is one miserable human being hiding behind a troll account yeah. to try and tear somebody down. And a lot of a lot of people on social move the way the wind blows. So if they see one of these troll accounts say something mean or snarky or nasty, they think that gives them free license to kind of jump on board. And I see it in real time. I'll see in a lot of these accounts, what I don't think people realize is they're running like 10 to 15 different troll accounts. So essentially what they'll do is tweet some stupid like ratio and then flip between their other 10 accounts and all like the, like that tweet. And it's literally just one person doing it from a bunch of different accounts because that gives uh, them some type of 
and I'm like, I see this in real time. So it's like, I'm seeing it as it happens. Cause it's like, it'll be like a one to two minute window when that tweet gets a bunch of likes and they'll just stop. And it's like, all right, that's easily just the same amount of time for somebody to flip through a bunch of different accounts, you know, no name troll accounts um, based on whatever. But that's a part of the game. That's why I encourage people like yourself and just who are in this world and always just try to be an outlet for them for like the mental health side of it. Cause it's not an easy game. You know, you, you put up one bad tweet, you know, everybody's like, Oh, he never misses when they talk about me. I miss all, all the time. It's not a, not a big deal to me. I, I take shots. So I think that's the most important thing. But when those things do happen, I think it gives those people, a, you know, a free license to try and hate or be salty or be bitter. But I just pray for them every day and just hope that, you know, whatever's going on in their world and their life eventually corrects itself so they could, you know, be as happy that I am every day. Yeah, man. You know, I, I think a lot of, uh, you know, what it takes is just like, I, I think there are like three or four things that can get anybody to like completely change their that mindset. I think the easiest one that's accessible to pretty much anybody is, I swear, if people, if everybody in the world exercised, yeah, there would be no hate in the world. I strongly believe that because all you need is like a little bit of success in anything. And that's probably the easiest one to achieve because it's available to anybody, no matter where they are in the world, you can go out for a run, you can do anything. Um, and then they'll feel that's, you know, self-esteem and then they won't need to do that anymore. But that's crazy about the, uh, the tweet. Uh, that people are literally scrolling between accounts. I can't believe that. I never, I never actually thought about that. I understand it for other platforms, but I never, uh, I never it's, thought it's, it. It's pretty that. rampant on Twitter and, and it's funny to see, but to your point, like my life got completely better once I started early on in the pandemic, uh, you know, early in COVID, you know, I was, I was like 360, 365, just, you know, you know, eating dessert with every meal, kind of down and miserable. Energy was super bad. But once uh, the pandemic started, I was just so afraid. I have two kids and a family that, you know, if I did get COVID, that I wouldn't be able to sustain it. So I just started working out as hard as I could, you know, five, six, seven days a week. And I've kept that going on for like close to almost, uh, you know, 18, now. 19 months now. That's but doing, now. and when I don't run, I can feel my equilibrium off and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm angry, I'm, I'm mad at the world and stuff. But as soon as I get that jog in and get to just clear my head and get everything going, then it's like, yo, I'm in, a, I'm in a positive, tranquil state and really just, you know, have a lot better energy and a lot better motivation to go out there and succeed. I, I believe it more than anything, man. I started this thing. It's called um, No Days Offseas, where it's just any, like every day, no matter what, just go for a walk at the very least. Just yep. like get outside, do something, uh, preferably like break a sweat or do 30 to an hour of working out. But at the minimum, like do a walk, depending on who you are, how old you are, et cetera. But uh, I think social media will be a much better place. But that's on people like you and I to, you know, try to push that along and, and make some other people's lives better because, you know, what's the point of having a following? Like they call people influencers, but you know, that's only true if you're influencing people to do good. Exactly. Um, so you're, you're spot you know. on with that. I think, I mean, like when I, I always tell people, what's the point of me building my following if I can't help the people that I love and respect and want to see succeed. So, you know, I go above and beyond whether it's, you know, being a mentor or resource to people that are trying to come up in the game offering people advice, tips, whatever it may be. I just feel like, you know, I've been so fortunate and blessed to get to the position that I'm in. And despite the hate and negativity out there, the only way you can really conquer that is with love and positivity. So just try to be as positive as possible. Try to help as many people as possible. Show them the way. Because as you know, the social media game is literally a multi-billion dollar industry now. And I think it's so fresh and so new. And it's only been around, you know, 15, 20 years. When you look back in the day, I'm a little bit older than you, but we had AOL Instant Messenger and things like that. And that was kind of our first foray into social where you could talk to anybody. And even that was toxic back then. And then you have, you know, the advent of the YouTubes and the Twitters and social, these yeah. social platforms. 
And these things are still growing. People are still learning. I think we're seeing different waves. And I think, you know, eventually stuff will shift. But just the ability that people have to make money on these things and start like when I was a kid, I would have never said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, you know, heavy and social and, and, and make a bunch of money doing that. I would have had no idea that, that that existed. So now to be able to live in this world and see the benefits of it, we were talking before the show, you know, we get sent stuff all the time, like, you know, all types of brands and people that are trying to tap in. And some of it's good. Some of it's like, yo, why would you send this to me? I'll, I'll never use it. And no disrespect, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not going to call out anybody, but it's like, I would never use this. Not, this is not anything that I'm, I'm going to use, but you know, I appreciate you saying it anyway, because I've, I've had days where I didn't get anything sent to me. So it's like, you know, we get Christmas pretty much year round now whenever somebody's got a, a branded or pr promotional campaign that they're launching and they want to, you know, that we, that we tap into, especially in the NBA and basketball space. But, you know, this is a huge world. And I feel like, especially for myself, there's a lot of black people. I don't think understand just the world, the culture. And I see a lot of them every day getting their ideas, Jack, getting their stuff, Jack. And for me, it's extremely frustrating because you look at a lot of these industries in the corporate space and they all look a certain way. It's obviously heavily dominated with a, you know, a certain demo and it's not giving opportunities to a lot of people who could thrive in those situations. So I try to be a resource and just let people know, like, look, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. Like, obviously, you know, I think I am special as a human being, but a lot of stuff I'm doing, you know, people can learn and grow and build into. It's like being a hooper. You, you go to the gym, you work on your game enough, you're going to turn into a solid basketball player. Social is the same way. 100%. What would your best advice be for somebody who's just getting started out now on Twitter and wants to be, let's say somebody who tweets fun things about professional sports uh just be consistent do a lot of research i got into this thing by doing a ton of research studying other accounts studying how they move studying how they post what time they post what their engagement was like on certain things and that's why even the meme game elon musk uh, had a tweet you know a while ago he, he who controls the memes controls the universe and I think he was spot on. If somebody like Elon Musk is saying that, obviously with everything he's done, the success he's been able to attain, you got to listen to that. And I think we're seeing, again, social media is so new and so fresh that we still don't really know what it is. But we're seeing now, you know, especially in the world that I'm in, the meme game, like memes for me, like, you know, once you learn them, the art of building and creating a meme, it's super easy, but the rewards and benefits are tremendous. Obviously, you can get somebody like LeBron James to see it and call you the GOAT, literally off of a meme, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of LeBron, been a fan of LeBron since he came into the league and would have never thought, you know, that he would be calling me the GOAT on a social platform because of what I'm able to do with memes and humor and comedy. But the main thing is just be consistent, man. I think, you know, when you first get into this game, a lot of people want instant gratification. They think that first tweet is just going to go viral and they're going to get a million followers off of it. That's not the case. You got to grind, go hard every day, make incremental gains. People look at myself and they're like, oh man, how'd you build this, 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 this huge following? It's like, yo, bro, I've been doing this for the last five, six years. I've literally seen every single one of those followers come in. I've seen everybody who's left or blocked me or whatever as well. So it's not, it's not, you know, just a, a, an easy situation. You got to really grind. You got to really work hard put your energy to it as you know managing you know accounts and stuff that that stuff is not easy at all and i have a tremendous amount of respect for people like yourself and that are in this space because okay. it's a difficult world to be in every day you got to come with it every day you got to bring hot content you've got to satisfy your viewers and also build and build and build and, and some of its creation some of its curation and, and, and both of them are, are definitely admirable traits and qualities to be able to have but you got to be consistent you know all these platforms are based off algorithms so you take a day off or you don't post for a couple of days the algorithm sees that then it, it definitely dings you and punishes you when you try to come back to the block with content so 
for me, it's like, no matter what I'm doing, I always try to get a couple of tweets up a day, just, you know, stuff that I'm interested in. Like I said, I never try to force anything or anything like that, but just stuff I'm interested in, stuff that, that, that makes me laugh or makes me happy. And a lot of times, you know, if I, I giggle to myself before I put a tweet up, I know that's going to be a good tweet. And I don't really care what the, the numbers on the tweet end up being. It's just like, yo, this is, this is quality for me. I know people are going to appreciate it, people in my circle, and uh, I'm happy with just that. So the advice I would give to somebody trying to get in this game just be as consistent as possible. You know, when you first start, you're gonna have to tweet a lot more than when you get to my level, just because you need to learn what, what works, what, what doesn't work, and don't be afraid to take big swings and miss, and don't be afraid to fail, get those tomato emojis, get people saying cringe and all the other negative stuff that people say, because that's the only way that you're gonna get better and get to where you wanna be. 100%, very well said. And I, I think I have especially, uh, an especially high amount of respect for people like yourself, because like for me, I so I started Hoop Nation all by myself and I ran it all by myself for the first three-ish, two, two and a half, three years. And I was posting 20 times a day on those platforms. Obviously, it wasn't all original. A lot of it was crediting consented, like posting other people's highlights of, and things like that. But, um, you know, that stuff burned you the hell out. Um, and I think it did for me. And that's why I had to hire a team. I haven't done a post on Hoops Nation in two years. Oh, wow. As crazy as that is. Um, I, I, but that's, I think, the goal you want to get to in life, right, with, with whatever you're doing. You got to grind. You got to get it out the mud. You got to learn how to do it. And then you can now pass that on to other people. You can go travel, go do what you like to do, go go live the life that that, that you've earned sure. and deserve. For you sure. Know, but, but there are times, too, like, where I really want to have, like, fun and put my hands in. Like, this happened uh, 20, end of 2019, I was looking at TikTok and I was like, this thing is insane. I've never seen anything like the algorithm. I've never seen growth like this. So I just put all my time into it for three months and grew an account from zero, the Hoops Nation account from zero to three and a half million in like three months. Oh, wow. And, and you know, so there are still things like that, but the, the burnout thing I can definitely relate to because I had that and, you know, so from a personal brand perspective, how do you sort of combat that? Because you can't, um, you can't like dish it out in the same way. I wish I could dish, dish out my personal brand. I can't. And that's why I have to show up every day to do this. Pod. I mean, I enjoy doing it first off, but for like other videos that I'm doing, I wish I could just have somebody be me and do it for me. Right. How yeah. do you sort of combat that? Uh, I mean, look, as you know, that, that the burnout is real. It becomes tough. It's like, it's weird when you put out like a viral tweet, just how exhausted you'll get from doing that type of stuff. Like after a full day of, of, of tweeting, it doesn't seem like a lot. But then again, if you tell somebody else, like to your point, you're putting up 20 stories a day. If you told somebody else like, hey, you need to put up 20 stories a day for the next three years, they wouldn't be able to, to wrap their head around that. They would think it's such a, they were like, well, I can't do that. That's the, you know how much work that is. But once you get in it, feel the rhythm. Like there's been days I put up 60, 70 tweets. I would, if I would have went into that day, like, yo, you got to put up 60 tweets today. I would have never done it. But when you're in the flow in the moment, going and grooving and just doing it, it's just doing the work. It's just like, you know, I lost like 70 pounds over the pandemic. If I would have just woke up one day and said, hey, go do that. It's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. But incremental gains, you start building, start grinding. But to, to, to rattle off three and a half million followers off of TikTok, TikTok still, I'm, I'm old, so I still haven't really embraced TikTok. I understand the value of it. I definitely respect the algorithm. I've seen the way it, it's really turned people's careers around. I'm kind of a Twitter guy. It is what it is. I'm kind of stubborn. But I see that world, see that lane. And the problem is you see a lot of people who see it happen and think that's easy. You tell me you did 3.5 million in three months. And that's just like, you know, I can't even fathom or wrap my head around 
how that's possible. But you learn the game, you learn the algorithm, you learn the hustle, you start doing stuff consistently, you see what takes off, you start doing more of that. And I think that's what people get into space and they look at people like ourselves and sometimes they have a negative kind of view like, oh, anybody could do that. It's like, look, man, you got the internet just like me. If anybody can do it, go ahead and do it, you know? What you're going to really discover slowly is that anybody can't do it. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy, you know, to motivate yourself every single day to avoid that burnout. So I've definitely had times where it's like, man, I don't even feel like tweeting. I don't want to do anything. It's funny. Some of those times will I'll put out the, the most perform, uh, most successful, highest performing stuff when I don't feel like doing it. And the thing I try to impress upon a lot of people is that, you know, you can do anything when you feel like doing it. Everybody can do anything when, when they have the motivation to do it. But if you want to be successful, like when I was a hooper, those days, we, you know, it's double days. And you don't feel like, you know, going to practice and you, you know, your body's, you know, yeah. just hurt and fatigued and whatever. Those are the days you got to push through and really grind because then you start to appreciate and then you really learn. To your point, there is no days off. So as much as, you know, you, you want to take a break here or wherever, as soon as you do, like I said, all these things are algorithm based. So you know, that algorithm notices that you're not posting and it's like, well, I'm not just going to reward you for taking time off when you try to come back with whatever the content is, unless it's obviously just an amazing post or caption or whatever, but you stay consistent with it. You grind through it and, you know, you just work through that at the end of the day, this is like any business, you know, everybody, that's why it's called work. People don't like going to work every day, but you got to go if you want to be successful and, and, you know, get to the level that you want to get to. A hundred percent. And I think something important to note too is, you know, like any great company over the long term, their stock is going to go up, right? But a lot of it does have to do with the entry point on each platform. So A, that's true. And like what I, the example I gave for TikTok, I probably couldn't do that today because I, I timed it pretty well at that time. And the same thing was on Facebook and Instagram, I was late, Um, you know, but with that being said, there's still no better time to start than today. Because I remember even when I was late, the other uh, large accounts were like, yeah, it's too saturated. And this was in 2017. Yeah. Only, all the big ones that I admired and like look up, looked up to were like, it's too saturated. You're better off focusing on Facebook, which I was at the time. Um, and, you know, thankfully, it's important to not listen to people always, <laughs> even if you admire them, um, which is sort of a hard truth, but it is what it is. Just got to trust your gut and you know, like for Twitter, for example, I'm sure it was, or I'm curious even, because I don't know Twitter as well. Was it easier to grow back then or is it easier now? I mean, Twitter's a, an interesting, unique platform because even to your point, Twitter, Twitter was oversaturated 2015, 2016, kind of when I first got into the game to doing this stuff. But what you'll notice is on any platform, like if you put the work in it consistently, there's always room, there's always another account coming in. Yeah, is it harder? Of course, like, but at the end of the day, there's always accounts that are growing and blowing up. One of the things I love to do is just watch people and track their progress and see that account that had two or 3,000 followers last year, that's now 30,000 this year, that's gonna be at 100, you know, the next year. And just talk to those people and, and, and really network and just understand because it's funny, I can see the trajectory now of how people and accounts are going to go if they stay consistent with what they're doing that they don't even really see. They're kind of in this no man's land of they don't really know, you know, how to grow, whatever. And it's like, okay, do more of this. You know, do you're really successful when you do this, do this more. And that's going to, you're going to see your account grow. For me, it was learning memes. Like I was doing a bunch of different stuff. Some of it was good, some of it was bad. But then I saw the way that memes from a, from a functional and practical standpoint, like, look, I can really grow my account and that's going to create a ton of opportunities to do podcasts, to do other stuff. You know, back in the old days, you had to be a former player to be able to get on as an analyst or as a talent at a, at a major network. And now what we're seeing, especially in the NBA Twitter space and the NBA community, a bunch of people, you know, from team specific NBA Twitter communities that have now risen out of, out of all the, you know, the cream of the crop and are now getting 
shows, getting podcasts, getting, you know, great deals, getting deals on the level of, you know, former NBA players and all-stars and all that type of stuff, because the content game is different. Like you can know basketball and that's awesome. But if you don't, you know, especially nowadays, back in the day, you know, when Twitter first started and you were a TV personality, you were naturally going to build up a big following just because people saw you a lot and you had a, a name brand and name recognition and a, and a familiar face. Now that's not the case because everybody's kind of competing against each other. So you got to be good with the memes, the captions, good with the news, just the random musings, all the different types of, of stuff that really helps you thrive on social and also, you know, learn the, the evergreen stuff. I think a lot of people don't realize that. And that's one thing I always try to impress upon people like go through your analytics, look at the tweets that are performing the best, look at the stuff that's evergreen, stuff that you can reuse every three months, six months, every year. You got a great Christmas tweet, you can reuse that every Christmas. And you'll notice that, you know, some years that number will skyrocket and do more than the original tweet. But at baseline, you know, with the memes and the stuff that I do, like people would accuse me like, oh, you recycle this, that, whatever. It's like, no, if I have a perfect uh, video or perfect thing for a meme, I'm not going to try and find something else that's more perfect. That's a waste of time. We're not in that game. Like we have to get this stuff out as quick as possible. So if I got something that's great and representative of whatever message that I'm trying to get across, I'm going to use that. I'm like a DJ. You go to the same club every Saturday for a year. Inevitably, the DJ that performs that Saturday is going to play a lot of the same songs every Saturday because he knows how to get the crowd hype. And you're going to notice how that crowd gravitates towards it. You know, there's 7 billion people on this earth. So you might put up a great post that does a ton of engagement. There's 7 billion people. That means at least 90%, 95%, 98% of the world hasn't seen that thing. So if you repost it again five, six months down the road, you're going to do a similar level of engagement. It's like, I'm not going to give back followers uh, on, a, on, a, on a video that I've, I've reused, like, come on, doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, that, that's what any company would do when you look at strategy, look at TV, look at anything. I work in a bunch of different spaces. Everything is formulaic. What's, what's the format that works? Oh, is it crime shows? It's procedurals? Is it, you know, whatever, rom-coms? They're going to do that. You watch, you know, you can watch movies from different generations and I'll watch movies like, oh, this is just that movie with, uh, you know, a, a surprise. Or anybody's favorite movie, like my favorite movies, I've seen every Star Wars and Harry Potter five to 10 times each. Like it's the same thing for content and it's no different. Exactly. And you, every time you watch it, you enjoy it. Like I, my favorite time. movies, I've seen a hundred times. I rewatched the movie with the same enjoyment as the first time I saw right. it. So, but I feel like there's a lot of people who aren't successful in the game and that's kind of the default they try to use to bash people who are successful. And it's like, look, I don't, I don't know about being not successful. All I could do is just keep concentrating on what I'm doing to be successful. So if I find a rhythm that works and I'm gonna keep exploiting that until I have to find something else. 100% man. The new thing that I'm personally focused on is like content and collectibles and sports cards and things like that. Okay. And my entire strategy is that everything that I do is evergreen because they're not tied to a moment. They're just tied to the person who is evergreen, like somebody like Jordan, LeBron, Gretzky, Ruth, right? And then I can just repost them every two weeks and be done. So I just have to, if I make 10,000 videos, I will never run out for the rest of my life. Exactly. Over and over and over again on like a, on like any social channel, when new channels come out, like new social platforms, just drop them all there. Right. My you see it. What were you say? I mean, I mean, you see it in the game, right? It's like, like people look at me like, oh man, you reused that. Well, it's like, am I supposed to let a bigger account just post the exact same thing that I posted six exactly. months ago? Like, I, exactly. like, I don't know I did it. Like, bro, I, I remember what I said. Like, I know that you shifted a word around or did this or that or yeah. cut my face out of the tweet and said, who did this or whatever. It's like, you know, like that's, the game is the game on the social side. It's a lot like the Wild West. It is what it is. There's, there's not really a ton of rules and regulations, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, sink or swim. It is what it is. 100%. I, I do think YouTube is starting to 
sort of set the future precedent for it, where now if you make a YouTube video and somebody else uploads it, you will receive a copyright notice in your account to where you can file a direct one-click claim on their video. I think social media is going to be the exact same way in a couple of years, where if somebody posts your video, you know, if you own the video, they are going to, you're going to be able to copyright strike it. Not obviously you don't want to like hurt anybody, but you don't want their post people thinking that they are you. Yeah. But I, I enjoy YouTube and I appreciate YouTube because what they'll do is they'll let you run ads on that person's video. And it's like, look, you that can too. get the views yeah. and build your account up, but you're going to give me the revenue uh, as a result of this stuff. And it's funny, man, I'll see videos that I post on Twitter, get ripped and put on YouTube and they'll have millions and millions of views. And it's always just like, you know, that's the thing I try to stress to people like these things are making other people money now this isn't like a oh they, you know they, they tagged me in a thing or they gave me credit it's like no bro the people are making thousands and thousands of dollars off this stuff laughing in your face so you gotta you know make sure you get your bag too. do whatever's necessary you see that with a lot of accounts that are literally just you know freely snatch people's stuff and kind of have this brazen attitude like oh what are you gonna do about it and it's like okay we'll see <laughs> like you'd, you'd be shocked because it's all the biggest it's like ESPN like yep. it's insane like they will they will charge you know let's just say to put it in people's perspectives and i'm not i'm not anti-espn but um let's say they get half a million dollars for an instagram post with a sponsor um and then right next to that is the thing that they just posted with you know a tag right um they wouldn't have been able to get that without you know that content so I do, I do think it is worth people knowing and not that there's not that even if ESPN does reach out for credit and consent, which they probably will. So it's up to that person to say yes or no, some of the time. Um, but it's definitely worth being aware of and, and taking that into consideration when building your brand and, and putting an emphasis on trying to monetize it because if you don't, other people will. Yeah, you know, when, when you were first coming up a few years ago, somebody like ESPN or Sports Center reached out, like, oh man, this account has, you know, 20 million followers. This is going to lead to a huge following for me. What we see nowadays, that's just frankly not the case. Like, you know, even on original source videos that they'll post and tag, you may see 200 to 300 followers. Now, if it's a piece of comedy or something like that, you can generally see a big number. I look at somebody like Max is Nice, who has really built up a nice following doing, you know, the, the impersonation videos and things like that. And it's a humongous lane. And being able to sit with Max and talk with him, he's a very intelligent dude and smart and understands. And he gets a lot of negativity and backlash, but he also gets, makes a lot of money doing it. So I understand both sides of it. But that game is kind of shifting now. We're back in the day. That meant like, you know, even on Twitter, like if somebody like a LeBron would have called me the GOAT 10 years ago, that would have meant 50, 100,000 followers off top. You know, really? everybody would just jumped, you know, back in the day. Now, nowadays, it's maybe like, 10 15 you know but just but it was it's kind of like you were saying with the tiktok algorithm you know when you discovered a couple of years ago it was still new and fresh in it and even though it felt might have felt saturated at that point it wasn't gonna be anywhere near what it is now as the viewership and membership keeps growing and growing and growing so you're in early now you've already established a rapport and relationship with the algorithm you already posted a ton of content now the algorithm knows when you post oh this is gonna be hot shit people want to see i'm gonna really distribute this out so you know, the, the game is the game, like I said, but you got to just learn the ways around it. And like I said, especially for myself, 
uh, being being a black person in America, you know, looking at Elvis and looking at as many times as our culture has just kind of been taken from us to other people's benefit, especially even TikTok with the craze of, you know, all the, the dances getting stolen and things like that and original creditors not getting credited. There's huge bags that are getting distributed out here. And like you were saying, you know, they might get that $500,000 branded post, but they're getting that because they built up the following on that account off the other stuff that they're doing. So you see a lot of accounts that thrive and benefit off this. So even myself, it's like, all right, well, I just want my slice of the pie. Like, I'm not a greedy man. I just want what I deserve. 100%. I do think some platforms are doing a good job, like Twitter addicts, things like super follows and tipping and things like that. What are some other things that you think these platforms can add to benefit all these creators? I think the, the main thing is for a place like Twitter, I wish they would really lean into creators more and people who actually, you know, it's, it's one thing when you work at a company and you feel obligated, especially somewhere like Twitter. If you work at Twitter, I'm sure you feel obligated to create a Twitter account. It's not something you want to do. You use it more as like a Slack or a direct messaging type that we only have a couple hundred followers. Right. You're only following a couple hundred people. Generally, they're your work friends, friends and family. You're in your comfort zone. You know, somebody like myself who has close to 200,000 followers, like I'm not in my comfort zone anymore. A good portion of those people, I'd say at least 10% of people hate me. They hate follow just waiting for me to slip up so they can say something negative or say something mean spirited or bitter and then kind of join in that wave. So if you don't know what that experience is like, you can't develop and create things that are targeted towards people like myself when you don't know what our experiences are like. You know, you could ask us, but until you really live it, until you've put up a, a post, which I'm sure we all have to get to this space that gets, you know, literally uh, roasted or, or ratioed or whatever the kids talk about nowadays. We've all had that moment and experience and we all know what that's done to our mental health when people are telling you that you suck and wishing cancer on you and telling you they hope you die and they hope your family dies all off of a tweet. And I'm like, look, I don't care if you thought this was the least funniest thing ever. Like you're gonna wish somebody death off of a tweet they didn't like, that just, you know, that doesn't make sense. Oh, wow. But but knowing that and being in that space, creators can help out a lot more and just be like, all right, don't do, don't do this with your product or don't do that or, yeah, that's a good idea, but have you thought about the long term or how long that's going to last? Like a tip jar, for example. Tipping is great. You know, when it first started, it was a new novel thing and people were, were putting tips, but it's not like it's Postmates or Uber Eats where I'm getting, you know, it's like every tweet that I get is like a food thing that's delivered and now you know who your driver is and now you more or less, at least me, feel obligated to tip because this person has done something for you. So all those things are great, but they also, like people get tired of them, they move on. And ultimately, when you're looking at your Twitter on your phone, you're not like inherently just going to go click on that dollar sign to get people money. That's just not, you know, not anything anybody's going to do. But I do, I do really appreciate and respect Twitter for everything they do to try to help creators. I just wish they would lean into us a little more and ask us more about, you know, what the real experience is like on Twitter and not what their experience is as, as employees of the company. I mean, my thought is it should be an ad rev split based on like time and attention spent on each page. Exactly. Which it should get to, like we can start running ads, that's and I know, is. and that's what TikTok sort of is now, but YouTube is the and Twitch, obviously. Yeah, and I love. I mean, I'm not a big, a big video game guy, but I definitely respect Twitch and all the people that are, that are making a ton of bread on there. Because at the end of the day, content is content, whether that's you know a hundred million dollar production movie or just a kid at his house playing video games. If, if you're watching that and getting ads served to you, then I feel like you deserve a revenue split. I, don't, I think, you know, in previous times. You know, I had to put hundreds of millions of dollars in a movie to get you to pay $13 to go see it. Nowadays, I could literally just set up a light in my house. And if I'm really getting to play in a video game and I stream that for hours and hours and hours and I get a million people watching it, how is that any different than, than, than what the other person? I'm supposed to get penalized because I didn't have to spend as much money on the front end to get people to watch it. It doesn't make any sense. Content consumption is content consumption. So, you know, however much it costs, 
even this pod right here, if, if a, a million people watch this pod, you're going to charge your advertisers a solid CPM off that rate because, you know, you have heavily engaged viewers and users and people who are watching this thing. So it shouldn't matter that you didn't spend a million dollars on the production or whatever. That, that should have nothing to do with it. Like whatever the ad rev, rev is, that's what it should be. And, you know, it should get split, split accordingly. 100%. I'm with you, man. Uh, what, are, what are, last question, what are you most excited about right now? Like what gets you the most excited when you think about, you know, all the opportunities and everything ahead? Just how big, like I said, how young of an industry this is. Social is still so, you know, people like ourselves are kind of like the old guard and like the vets now, which is hilarious to think about because it's only been doing this for like five, six years, but there's so many people now that are starting to realize and understand the value that it has so many companies that I see now and I do a lot of branded campaigns with a company it always cracks me up because they'll have like you know senior VP of social and all these like cool snazzy titles and they'll put you know content on it's like yo this thing did like 30 views dog like you know off, off your account with unlimited resources graphic designers promotional team all these different and it's like they're looking at me like how do you do this with just one person it's like because I understand what people want like I've actually done the strategy and market research yeah. and all that other stuff so again like don't penalize me because I don't have a 50 person team and I can get the same amount of engagement if not significantly more than you can with all these resources but still not understanding it. you know in years past people would just throw anybody in the social space hey it's just Twitter all I got to do is tweet or hey it's just TikTok just throw some videos up it's no big deal and kind of have a super condescending view of what actually gets done in those spaces. And that's why you see the people that are the most successful are the ones that actually put the energy, resources, and intention into them. But there's still a lot of companies that are trying to move into these spaces that don't understand that. So I'm just super excited that, you know, this is a growing, growing industry. Like it's growing infinitely. Every brand, you know, every different company, network, whatever it may be, needs a social presence. If you don't have a strong social presence, you're not going to be able to survive, you know, in this world nowadays. Like, it's just not a realistic thing. So if you have, you know, whatever it is, you look at companies like Wendy's and Hamburger Helper and these other spots who've been extremely intelligent in how they move on the social side, they're also making a lot of money as a result of that, where other companies now are finally starting to kind of grasp the concept of that actually it takes a special individual who actually has talent, like any other job you'd fill at a company. You can't just dump social onto somebody and just be like, all right, just go tweet from the account and go viral. Like that's not anything, you know, it's funny. I'll have friends that work at companies and they'll be like, yeah, man, they tell us to tweet like you. It's like, how can you tell somebody to do something that you don't really understand? Like you, like people see- Especially from like a corporate perspective too, they'll get canceled quick. It's just like, oh, it's like, I have a lot of creative freedom and license because I'm literally right. just one guy doing it. I'm not a company. I'm not all this other stuff. I can say whatever I want. I can put stuff that's out of pocket and, fr and frankly, very, very, very towing the line of being, you know, being being offensive, whatever it may be, because I'm me and people understand who I am. But when I see companies and they start to look like the feds when they do it, it's like, bro, this is a company that's run by like 50 year old white men that's trying to tweet like a like Josiah or whoever. It doesn't make any sense. Like you're exposing yourself. This is not what your brand is. So now the consumer's looking at you like you're a joke. I mean, just saying it's not. And it's like, oh, you're trying to tweet young or act like, but we know what, what your corporate level is. You have a corporate structure and a C-suite and all these, you know, all these these older people who know nothing about the world that they're in. It's like, oh, go tweet like that, go do that. And it's like, this is not how that game works. So I'm excited to see where, you know, it's like I said, it's a multi-billion dollar industry now. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just gonna keep going through the same with like NFTs and crypto and all this, this stuff. People are finally starting to understand that the digital world and landscape is it's a world all with, within its own. So. You know, I operate in the TV space. I produce TV shows and that's kind of my bread and butter. But I see even television, like everything's moving towards streaming platforms. So if you don't have, you know, the Disney Plus or the Netflix or the HBO Max type of mentality in terms of how you put content out, Back in the day, you know, I was a kid, it was like, hey, we knew the census was coming on Sunday. We knew Living Color was coming on, the, you know, Thursdays, whatever it may be. 
it was like, or since it was Thursday, Living Color was Sunday, maybe. But uh, you, you knew when these things were coming, you appointment viewed. Like, we, you know, we spent all week waiting for this stuff to happen. Nowadays, we want to watch it right when we want to watch it. So drop every episode. All right, I've been through that. What's next? What, you know, I just constantly need uh, content to consume. So there's so much of that. So people in our space have really put ourselves in a great position because now we have the distribution as well. We have the followings to be able to leverage what's going on. So I can do a deal with a brand that's trying to get into the NBA Twitter space that may not have a big enough following because I can leverage my following to help make their stuff hot. So, you know, culture comes with a price. Like I like to say, culture costs. Like it ain't, you know, people want culture, but they got to be able to, to pony up the bags that that are, you know, representative of yeah. actually wanting that. Don't just say you want culture and then try to, you know, lowball and shortchange and, nickel and dime people and expect to get the result they want so it's funny for me to see that even when i'm telling people prices for different stuff and they'll kind of be like why is it so much it's like well look you can go to that other company all the other company's going to do is call me and ask me to do it and still pay me the same amount of money and then just use <laughs> my numbers to tell you that they did a good job so you might as well get rid of the third party come yeah, to me directly upcharge it too you know exactly like they're going to overcharge you but you're going to feel comfortable because oh this this company has a, a great name behind it and they've been around for so long. All they're going to do is like, Joe, Josiah, we need, you know, we got this branded campaign. We'll pay you half and we're just going to use your numbers and not add anything else of value or substance to this thing. And then we'll pass that buck along to the company who's just like, oh, wait, you know. So it's funny to see all that stuff happen in real time or people to like come to me, I'll give them a price and they'll be like, oh, I can't pay that. Then literally go pay, pay the other company double and I still get my price because that company just hits me up. And now they're charging you just to make that phone call to me. So the game is the game. 100 percent well my man I, I can't wait to keep watching you grow exponentially infinitely so uh keep doing your thing and we'll have to do this again sometime thank you so uh, much i appreciate you when i'm out there in the city i'm gonna come pull up on you please do all right everybody we'll see you next time peace